All right, family, so at this time, um, I want to take a minute uh, to call forward Rebecca Ekekwe. Uh, you know, the thing about ascending, the training, teaching, sending place is we send and we receive. And Rebecca and her family uh, just arrived home from Benin, Africa last Sunday. Uh, after 11 years? 10. 10 well, years. Well, here's Benin. Yeah, that's, that's all missions. I consider it all. Yeah. You've been gone for, for 10 years. <laughs> and now they are transitioning back um, from what we understand permanently. We'll see what the Lord has in store down the road. <laughs> we'll just say permanently so you can just breathe. What we do want to keep in prayer is her husband, James, who is in process still. There's some um, paperwork and stuff that has to go through. We want to pray that he can get here before the weather starts to turn. Yeah. As a native... Uh, of Africa. He needs to get here while it's still warm so he can yeah. kind of gradually get into the yeah. zero degree weather. Yeah. Um, so I, I asked Rebecca if she would come and share with us a little bit about what the Lord has been doing in her life and, and showing her. And so I'm going to pass it to her. You can use this if, you, if that's helpful. It is so exciting to be back. Um, especially with the prospect of snow. My kids have never seen snow. Uh, maybe my first one, maybe like for a little bit when he first was born. Um, so that's really exciting. It might not be for you guys, but it's definitely for us. Uh, the weather hates me, uh, as you can tell. I'm very stuffy just because of the change in atmosphere. Um, but it's, it's exciting to come back and just continue to see the things that God is continuing doing. And it's not just here, it's across the globe. Um, and I think it's something that we can rejoice in because he is at work. And so just a little update about what's going on there. And I'm going to share with you something that God has kind of heavily placed on my heart about five minutes before I walked into this building. Love it when he does that. Um, so I'm here, but my husband is going through a paperwork process as a Nigerian to come into the States. So we are um, currently going through that. Um, he has moved into the village. Um, we were in the city before, and now he's in the village, which is another exciting adventure. Um, a quick, awesome God moment. So the landlord of our new house in the village um, is actually somebody who saved my life six years ago. Um, so I had an ectopic pregnancy in Benin. Um, I had to have a blood transfusion. And now this landlord is the one that gave my husband blood to save my life. So yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so my husband will be working in continuing vision, uh, village ministry there as he's there in the village. Um, so that's always been our heart since we've been admitted is we work in the villages. We do village administration. Um, we work with youth. We work with teens. We work with abuse youth. Um, that's something that was a heavy thing that was on my husband's heart. And so um, that is continuing as he's there. Uh, we had some amazing testimony after testimony of just God's faithfulness. And I think that's something as we come into this season, knowing that it doesn't stop in Benin, that it will continue here. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, I don't know where this is coming from, but you know. <laughs> Definitely a transition and a season for us as a family. 
Um, my youngest is really struggling with that. Um, my, my youngest is really struggling in this transition because he's just, he's Papa Shadow, and I think that's something that we can continue to lift in prayer. Um, so, as I thought about my time and continue to think about my time in Benin, um, I'm learning that it's a land that taught me how to fight with God and not against Him. Um, and I think that's where <clears throat> what I want to share with you today is based on that, because as I learned how to fight with God, um, as I learned how to be trained in the desert and learn to listen to what the Lord was leading and guiding, um, I was reminded of Joshua, which is a common theme in my life lately, but uh, Joshua is amazing. Um, <clears throat> so I realized that the phrase, do not be afraid and do not fear, is in the Bible 365 times, which means that there's enough manna for a whole year, just in those verses. Yeah. So that's Great promises right there. Um, but it also means that we talked about it earlier, and I love how God is tying all the threads together because we didn't have a conversation before I got here. That um, God is a promise keeper, um, and I know that's something that is a word for this church. Um, a promise that reminds us that God is not only a promise keeper, but he's a protector and a provider. Um, he even fights battles that we sometimes have no idea that he is fighting on our behalf. And so when we look at Joshua, we always think of that scripture. Do not be free, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. And that's what we think about Joshua when we think about just the whole understanding of what it means in that scripture. But in my current situation, and in my current season, I've started to think about the why. <clears throat> and it's especially true in this transition, in the current season, of moving from one place to another, of moving into one season, not in a spiritual season as well. Um, so moving into the why means we have to be reminded of this, the strong, to be strong and courageous. Um, it's because God is reminding us that we our chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And it's pushing us into identity with Christ. Um, so as we think about why we're afraid or why we're discouraged, we have to rewire our thinking in our mind to understand who we are in Christ. The God in us is living in and out of us. And it's not just in one place. And I think that as I continue, so I'm going to be talking from 11, uh, Joshua 11 today, um, and also kind of going backwards into Joshua 4. Um, so as Joshua was called into, so Sinister and Joshua, he was one of the spies that went to the land of Canaan, and he was one of the ones that came back and said, that, hey, we can do this, right? Um, he was one of the few spies that actually said, we can conquer this land. Um, so, as I said, this is like, God gave this five minutes ago, and I don't know where to go with this, so I'm just going to go with flow on this one. Um, I wrote some thoughts down to kind of keep myself on there. But, um, the Israelites did not trust in the moment what God had prepared for them in the journey. And we see that in Joshua 4, when they had to walk over dry land to, over the Jordan and dry land. But what it says is that 
God prepared the waters upstream before he put his feet in the water. And that's something that God reminded me of over and over and over again in my time in Benin. He's also confirmed it here as I walked into this place because somebody's already let me borrow a car, which is a huge enterprise. So he prepared my way before I came back to this land. Um, and the preparation of the journey is something that's been, wow, God, you were awesome. You are an awesome provider. You are an awesome promise keeper. Um, because I have a job already. I'll be teaching at a Christian academy in August. Um, so that preparation started actually in fourth grade. <laughs> so like he networked that in fourth grade because the person I'm working with is a friend I had in fourth grade. Wow. And so he's bringing that back to it. And so you see these little pieces of this awesome journey and the way that God prepared me for the journey. And so, coming back to the Israelites, um, I think about Joshua. He is faithful, and he had to endure the consequences of the moment. So the Israelites didn't obey what the Lord told them to do, so they had to do some wilderness walking for 40 years. Now that's a long bout of training. When you're just, come on, guys, like just listen. Um, but I find myself in that place a lot. Um, he was... So the Israelites could conquer the land in the direction of the Lord, but in the journey, however, he remained a witness to the ways that God fulfilled and honors his promise. He saw Moses' interactions with God. He was a testament that God did not stop speaking or fulfilling his promise when Moses died. When God called Joshua into Canaan, he called him into his own walk with the Lord. He called him out of the shadow of Moses and established a personal plan for Joshua. A plan that he was preparing him for in the 40 years of wilderness walking. He had his own timing for Joshua's obedience to reap a harvest of inheritance. That's also our call as Christians, as people who identify with Christ. That we have, that we are chosen. That we have a purpose, that he has a plan. And our plan for our lives is not the plan that he has for somebody else. It's unique. And it's something that he's called each to. And as soon as Joshua stepped over the river Jordan, God pressed him into the boundary lines. Now this is where it gets awesome, in a way. <laughs> um, because as, when we press into the boundary lines of God, and what that looks like for us as believers in Christ, we begin to see things in a new way. And we begin to see light. And so I've talked about this before when I come home that Benin as the birthplace of voodoo is a very dark place. And spiritually, there's a lot of bondage and chains that hold these people. They don't understand who they are because they've been suppressed in understanding an identity. And we talked about that, and you might notice my hands too, of like it's something that I did because um, I worked within a Muslim community. And so there was these some Muslim women that wanted to share with me their gift. Now this is not something I ever do, um, but I was just led to, and it was just something that I struggled with for a long time. I was like, I don't really want to mark my body. It's just something my, my childhood training has fought against. And then um, when I did this, I asked the woman, why do you do this? And they said, it's because we want to feel beautiful. It's something we do to feel beautiful. So the conversation with God that I had about after this moment was just something that I feel Joshua might have had in the same moment. 
um, just learning what it means to live loved or living to be loved. And I think Joshua had a, as he pulled away from Moses, really had to establish what God's love looked like for him as he learned to fight with him. Um, and I think that's something that those boundary lines were shifted, right? Um, and so Joshua entered the land with fire. <laughs> like Moses kind of was like, oh, we're going to walk through the wilderness. But then Moses, Joshua's call and was like, let's fight. God was like, I need you to fight for me. I need you to fight with me. And so as he entered the land, as harsh as the first chapters of Joshua are, which they're brutal, like he goes against these people, he goes against these people, all because he knows Christ in him and he knows what he's called. He had to reclaim what was his and stand in that truth. And then my favorite part and my favorite image, it says, then the land rested, and that's in 11.23. And I think that's something that we need to understand. Then the land rested. When did the land rest? After we learned how to fight with God, the land rested. So if we take that as believers, it's not our fight, because we do not fight against principalities or power. I mean, we fight against principalities or power. Um, so after upholding the truth of the land, the land rested. Now something else that Joshua did, the battle was won because Joshua allowed the Lord to lead him in truth and wisdom so that the land could rest. He had to clean out all of the devoted things to be able to stand up against all that was against God. Now I look at a land of voodoo and idols, where there's idols and they worship snakes there. Um, <clears throat> a lot of my time there was learning how to clean out the devoted things. Not just in the culture that I was in, but within my own heart. What was my heart devoted to? What was my, what were the things that were taking me away from what God's called me into? And I think that's something, um, as we're able to stand up against, he had to reclaim what was his and stand in the truth. And when the boundary lines were reclaimed, the land rested. And I think I've gone over this over and over again because I think it reflects on my time. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be more as I reflect and press into the truths that I've learned in this place. Um, I think that we need to, as believers, learn how to fight with a Joshua posture. That means that we're stepping out of the shadow of Moses because it's not our call. So stepping out of somebody else and accepting and claiming what God is doing for us as individuals, as chosen people, as a chosen generation. He says that we are chosen like a signet ring, which is like his signature is upon us, right? As a royal priesthood, what does that look like? As we reclaim boundaries that are ours, as we take back a land so that it can rest. And I think that's where I'm in that place where I'm learning what that looks like. Um, may we learn to fight together with the commander of the Lord's army. 
and not against him. May the words of our heart, I mean, the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart reflect a God in us. And I think, may we also keep our eyes on the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it, and still keep our eyes open to the startling and unexpected, and be prepared for it. When the ground is dry and waiting is long, we pray, and I pray, that we can keep standing in our training ground. Because we look at the desert as a dry and weary place. And I saw been in like that for a long time. But then God reminded me to change my thinking because it was my training ground. Because my eyes were opened in ways that I would have never imagined. My trust was expanded in ways that I could never expect. Um, may we also keep our hearts inquiring of the Lord to understand what aligns with So there's a verse in Joshua 18.3, and it says, So Joshua said, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that was given to you? How long will you wait to take possession of the land that was given to you? And so may we be people that live life in the light of eternity. May our cry in the training places be, teach me to listen. As we continue to understand and learn and hear what the Lord is doing, may we press into truth and stand on the side of truth in all areas of our life. And so that's my, that's my final word. <laughs>
Lauren and Margaret, yes. <laughs> so uh, I can't leave you without this, though. Uh, I'm going to make it fast. Joshua 5. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it? Um, oh, man. Somebody find this for me. In Joshua 5, it talks about how the Lord... It talks about how, you remember when they're in the desert, as the Israelites are wandering through the desert and the Lord provided their food, their sustenance, they kept, he kept them alive with the manna every morning. It was on the ground, they just had to collect it, they could make their bread and stay alive. In Joshua, it talks about how when they entered into the promised land, the manna stopped. The provision with the miraculous food appearing right before them on the ground, stopped when they crossed over into this new season. There's new expectations. There's a new way of doing things because now the land provided for them. And not only that, 12. Joshua 5, 11 and 12. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Can you read that? No. <laughs> Can you pass it to me? The day after Passover, they ate unleavened bread and roasted grain from the produce of the land. And the day after they ate from the produce of the land, the manna ceased. Day after they ate of the new, the new land, the manna ceased. This is all I want to uh, emphasize to you. When we walk into the new season, into the new thing, the provision of yesterday isn't relevant anymore. It's gone. It's taken away because now there's a new way of going about it. The Lord continues to provide, but not in the way that we expect it because what we expect is the old familiar way. The hard part about that is the familiar way is what we're comfortable with. And so when he begins to provide in the new way that's not familiar, sometimes that's uncomfortable. But the provision is there, and it looks different because there's new expectations in the new season. We have to release and let go of the old expectations because those things are gone. We talked this morning about how the old is gone. We have to let go of that. A lot, most of the time, here's what happens. The Lord does a new thing. He's made us a new creation. And why do we still get stuck in the old ways? It's not Him. We're holding on to the old ways. He's called us. He's made us a new creation. We're like, okay, yes, Lord. Trying to pull the old ways for He says, let that go. Because as long as we're looking for the manna, we're missing out on all the fruit and vegetation all around us in abundance. It's there. We have to accept what is being given to us. Things look different in new seasons. And God forbid that we overlook the provision and the new expectations because we're looking for what he did last year. For what he used to do. For the way it always used to come about. It's new. It's different. But it's still him. When we look, we, you know, we're working through the book of Acts. And when we look at the book of Acts how the Spirit had come upon the church, and they're trying to figure things out. How do we be a community of believers? What is this supposed to look like? They're trying to figure things out because it was a new way. And they were getting frustrated. They had to wrestle through things together because it didn't look like what it used to look like. Even when the, the, the message was spread to the, to the non-Jews, at first everybody's up in arms because, wait a minute, salvation is for the Jews. They said, this can't be spread outside of the country. So they had a meeting, and they, and, they, and they talked about it, and they debated. And what do they do? They go back to the Word of God, and they say, oh, actually, this is the fulfillment of what the Bible says. This is, doesn't oppose what the Bible says. This is what it says is going to happen. It's the fulfillment. 
And then it happened again in the book of Acts. We just read, if you're following in our daily reading, Acts chapter 15, what happened was in the city of Antioch, people have been accepting Jesus Christ. They're coming to faith. And now what happened is some other people, some of the traditional Jews came into the place and they said, oh, if you want to be part of this new community of faith, the men need to be circumcised because this is what it takes to join the family of God. And so now, again, they're arguing. They're trying to figure this out. What do you, what do you mean circumcision? That, that's the old thing. They send a whole delegation of, of leaders to Jerusalem where the apostles and the church leaders were to figure this thing out. And you know what they did? Acts chapter 15. Hang on, let me turn this. I'm going to read it to you. All right, somebody help me out. Right, you guys fine? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So they bring this challenge to the church leaders, and they say, hey, these people that are non-Jews, yeah, we realize that God accepted them because we're seeing it happen. We're seeing God's favor on them. But there's still expectations that they have to meet that we had to meet. They, the men still have to be circumcised. That's what marks them as God's people. And so they bring it to the leaders, and they start to hear Peter, the apostle, speaks up. Paul and Barnabas speak up, talking about how God had worked amongst them in amazing ways to these non-Jews. And God is working in them, and there's nothing to do with these requirements of circumcision. But do you know how they figured out what was actually right in this new way? Acts chapter 15, James, who was kind of like the head, the leader of all of the church at this time, James... Y'all need to get your glasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm looking at my, oh my God. Thirteen. Thirteen. Yes. Acts 15, 13. <laughs> when they finished, James spoke up. So everybody has their say. And then they kind of hush. And they listen to what James has to say. He spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon, who was Peter, has described to us how God first intervened to... Choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophet are in agreement with, with this, as it is written. And then he goes on to quote one of the Old Testament scriptures. This is what we have to cling to. This is the model we have to cling to. Because if we know that there's new expectations and we have to let go of, of old, what is the foundation? How do we, how do we know we're not just going to get swayed into whatever new thing comes? How do we know what's right and really from God? There has to be a way. We can't just follow emotions because every day we'll be following something different, like a roller coaster. What's the grounding? How do we know that the new way that God has ordained and that it's not a distraction or a strategic influence of the enemy? As it is written, the disciples went back to the word and measured everything against the word of God. Yeah. In new seasons, in shifting seasons, when there's new expectations, it's going to look different, and it has to. We have to let that happen. We can't fight to make it stay the same, but we have to make sure that we weigh it against the scripture. This is how we know that it is of the Lord. As it is written, measure everything against the word of God. And many times, things that we feel we thought this opposed the word of God. That's not how God works. When we actually look at it, non-biased, and measure it against the word of God, we find not only does this 
not oppose the scripture, it actually fulfills what the scripture said. We just never fully got it. It wasn't the season yet. It wasn't the time yet. But when the season comes, now the revelation, the spirit opens our mind to see, it's right, it's right there, as it is written. And so, as we enter into these shifting seasons with new expectations, we have to let go of the old expectations, and we have to be people of the word. We've got to become skilled with the word of God. Because this is how we find our way. This is how we know that on this new journey that we're embarking on, is not just leading us into some kind of wilderness and hopelessness, but it's leading us sometimes through those things, yes, but really to the destination that the Lord has already prepared in advance. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. And all he asks of us is to trust me. Trust me and follow. He's going to take us there. We've got to be people of the word. We have to let go. And do you know... Most often, the people who are opposing the new thing, it was the traditionalist Jews. When the new thing happened, the, the Jews that were faithful and, and wanted to serve God and always had to be this way, those are the ones that opposed the new work. That gives me reason to pause. That gives me reason to be cautious. For those of us, for me, who've been in the church my whole life, I'm used to seeing things done a certain way. We have been in the church for years. We're used to things a very familiar certain way. Times are changing. The ones who oppose the new work are not the ones outside of the church, outside of our community, that don't know left or right. The ones who oppose the new work are the people inside of the community that oppose something different. Far be it for us to oppose the new work of God just because it's not familiar. <clears throat> we can't expect it to be familiar, but the Spirit will resonate within us. This is right. This is right. There's a peace. Because when He's not in it, we know. There's a, dis there's a disturbance. There's no peace in that. We know. This is how He steers us. And he guides us and assures us that we're on the right path. There's a peace with it. <clears throat> so we got to be people that are skilled in the word, open to new things, and releasing what was. They're good, we can celebrate those things, we can remember those things, but it's not for today. It's not for the new normal Sergio was talking about. In front of you there is uh, some communion elements, the, the wafer and the juice. And we're gonna take a minute just to remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. And Jesus, just if it was your sacrifice, giving up your body on the cross for us, that has opened the door for us to walk into these new things. You're the one that gave us hope, Lord. Before you came, we were hopeless and lost, destined for death and hopelessness. I thank you, Jesus, for coming and intervening and saying, not anymore. This is my family. These are my children. I will give up my very self for them. You did that, thank Jesus. You allowed your body to be broken. And you allowed your blood to be poured out on us. Taking the consequence of our sin, removing it from us. And in place of it, covering us with your perfection and righteousness and inviting us to eternity 
with you. We love you, Jesus. We accept every new thing that you place before us, always starting with and founded upon your sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you. We take these things in today with grateful hearts. Let's partake together. Spirit, in all things, uh, we rely upon you. Your word teaches us that you are the change agent in us. You are the one that does the transforming inside of us. So everywhere, you see where we have um, just personal hang-ups and personal preferences and all these things. God, we, we, we release them to you. We release what was. But we're relying upon you for what is and what will be. So we're trusting that you will continue to lead the way forward. I thank you that you have us in, in front, behind, above, and below. We are in the palm of your hand. Even through shifting and changing seasons, we are still your children, safe in the palm of your hand. We want to glorify you and honor you in all that we do. We commit ourselves to that. Thank you, Jesus. You need to pray. Amen. 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 And with that, family, I commission you out to be blessed. Continue to seek the Lord, get into the Acts, and continue to work through Acts. If you didn't get a Praxis on your way in, um, there should be more right out at the door. And we will see you back here next week. Bye, guys.